0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Unfortunately, it's not talked about enough. It's not talked about enough. It's very important. And especially today, especially in today's day and age, this topic of Derek Eretz. Derek Eretz, what is Derek Eretz? And it's a very broad topic. People don't realize what a broad topic. So if you would ask me, what is Derek Eretz? I'd say, you know, civility, manners... That's what most people think. But it's much more than that. There occurs is much more than just being kind and gentle and sweet and, and treating people nicely and talking nicely. It's much more than that. So we're going to go through a very interesting ideas today. So when I was growing up, a friend of mine would come and spend some time, you know, doing homework together and, and then finally having supper together. And every night he would notice... I always tell my mother thank you, thank you, ma, thank you ma Tadaraba. and one day after supper, my friend he pulled me aside and he said, beyond uh, my you know my mother couldn't hear he says, Why are you always thanking your mother is not that her job? Is't that her job to provide food for you? why are you always thanking her and uh, that's that's a that is the crux of the the issue of Derek Hertz. Derek Hertz is one of the parts of Derek Hertz we're going to talk about, is thank you. It's saying thank you is part of the Derek Hertz. To appreciate what other people do for a person is part of Derek Hertz. Now, what, it's interesting is because Derek Hertz is not legislated in the Torah. The rabbis didn't legislate Derek Hertz. It's meant to be a prerequisite to being a religious person. A prerequisite a person with no ethics is not a religious person, cannot be a religious person. A prerequisite to being religious is having their hearts. And we're going to talk about what does that mean, and we're going to bring proofs, what does that mean. So I'll give you a little example. But just a little example, and this is from the Beit HaBikdash itself. An example of the Beit HaBikdash. Parshat Tzav. In Parshat Tzav, we talk about a special mitzvah, and that is the mitzvah of removing the ashes from the altar. You know, they would burn all the korbanot. And the night, and the day, and the morning, the ashes were fill up with the altar. And there's a special mitzvah on the kohanim, every single day to remove the ashes from the altar. Now that is a mitzvah that's called trumat if you, if you want to put it in perspective, it's it's really like removing the garbage from a house. If I would come along at night and take away the garbage from the house, empty out the garbage cans, that is it's called Trumat Hadeshin, removing the ashes from the Bet HaMikdash. was removing the, the dirt, the garbage from the Bet HaMikdash, obviously the holy ashes. But cleaning the Bet HaMikdash for God is a tremendous mitzvah. It's the first process every morning in the Bet HaMikdash. So early morning. So what was the process? The process was <clears throat> was first come, first serve. The first go ahead to run up, run up the altar, because the altar had a ramp. The altar was 10 amot high, 15 feet high. And there was a ramp to the altar. And they run up the altar, the ramp. And first coin to get there would be the one who would go and do this process of cleaning, of taking away, removing ashes from the altar. So can you imagine all the Kohanim, the gung-ho? They all want to serve God. They want to be religious. They want to be good. They want to be sadikim. So what do they do? They run up, race up the altar to go up there, try and be the first one up there. And uh, help remove the ashes. And uh, what happened was sometimes, unfortunately, the Quran in themselves, these holy men, would lose perspective. And instead of thinking, I'm in God's house, how do I behave in God's house? They would actually get violent to the point where one day, one Kohan pushed the other Kohen off the ramp. And the Kohan broke his leg. This is hard to imagine. You know. Think of these great people, these religious people, these, I mean, the priests of God in the holy temple in Yushalayim, trying to fulfill this mitzvah and losing perspective. And when you try and do a mitzvah, you don't want to try and hurt other people. You know, it's a person's got to back off a little bit. You know, so there's always some fight sometimes. A person has a yard sign, the other guy's a yard sign. And this guy wants to read a muftir, and the other guy wants to read a he which is back off a little bit. Remember what the main goal is. We want to serve God. And one of the parts of serving God is just being nice to people, not hurting people. <clears throat> By doing chesed with others, we serve God. So not to be such a stickler. I want to be the first one. Okay. I always want to be the first one. up, But you know what? Not at the, the expense of breaking the other guy's leg. And that is you see straight away how people can lose perspective. It's like... Uh, Last Yesterday, there was a big funeral, massive funeral. In Israel, Rabbi uh, Edelstein passed away for a big son. He came. And there were 200,000 people at the funeral. That's what they estimate. I don't know how many there were. Probably more. And I know my sons went, and other people went, and grandchildren went. And, uh, but we don't know. At least when you're in a funeral, you don't push people. That is very important. You want to show honor to the deceased. <laughs> you don't show honor to the deceased by pushing and shoving. To get in the line and, and hold the, hold the uh, coffin. But you don't want to do that. That's, uh, it defeats the purpose. So sometimes we want to be religious and we want to be religious. we to put everything in perspective. Religiosity at the expense of hurting other people, their feelings or their actual body, that is not religious justice. That's where their Harris comes in. We're going to talk about his Hakaratato. We're going to talk about thinking about feelings of gratitude. We're going to talk about how to behave nicely even when doing a mitzvah. That's something we've got to remember. I want to be the chazan. I want to be the chazan. you can't all be chazan. I want to do maftir. I want to do maftir. you can't all be the maftir. I want to throw the ashes. I, we can't all do throw the ashes. There's got to be give and take in life. It's going to have civility in life. We're going to talk about that. So while we can appreciate the desire of the Quran to serve Hashem, and this is one of the problems today, we all want to serve Hashem. Even in the relatively simple way And the enthusiasm, they approach the task. Obviously, Hashem loves enthusiasm. But sometimes it can diminish the sanctity of God's temple. Our enthusiasm, we're going to put in perspective. I want to be enthusiastic. I want to be the first one into the shul in the morning. But as a lineup, how do I there be a lineup. (laughs) You don't push your way in to be the first one. That is defeating the whole purpose. That is diminishing the sanctity of the temple. That is diminishing the sanctity of the synagogue and such perpetrators of such unpleasantness would do well to remember the Jewish principle of Derech Eretz, which we're going to talk about tonight. Derech Eretz kadma le Torah. Derech Eretz precedes the Torah we're going to talk about. So there's a beautiful Midrash. And the Midrash is a Midrash in Vayikra, chapter 9, on verse 13, or verse 3. In its most basic sense, the Midrash says, this principle teaches of Derech Eretz. It is impossible to be rude, it's impossible to be arrogant, to be rough, to be unpleasant while remaining a devoted servant of Hashem. It is a contradiction in terms. You can't be a servant of Hashem and be rude and arrogant and rough and unpleasant. There was, a, I, was I was like 18 years old. I came to Israel to study. I would teach you. <laughs> and there was a big line in the post office. This is it's really post office and uh, notorious for lines. So today they got smart. They put numbers. So you come in, you take a number, and then they call your number. But in those days, there's lines, and it was havoc. It was bedlam. It was complete craziness in the, in the post office. And this was a post office in Mea Shari. And I'm just standing there, and everyone's screaming, shouting, I'm first, I'm second, don't push in, don't this. And then, then they're looking at me. They say, hey, how come you're not shouting and you're screaming and you're not pushing? I said, I need I'm not here. I'm not from here. I come from abroad. So, oh, okay. He comes from abroad. <laughs> so, it's important to remember what we're trying to achieve in life. We're trying to become God's servants. And acting in a rough, unpleasant way is not the way servants of God act. And we're going to prove it from the most amazing. Who is the best servant of God? I and mean, the obviously Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses, Rabbeinu. Moses was called Moshe Avdi. God says, My servant Moses. Hashem gives witness itself on the servant Moshe Rabbeinu. A true servant of Hashem should not be rude and pleasant. And, you know, it must be rude and unpleasant. And we're going to talk about how some people are going to be careful. People are careful what goes into their mouths. You've got a hechshare on this. I don't trust this share. I don't trust the hechshare. What comes out of a person's mouth that also needs a hechshare. And that's what a person sometimes forgets. We root other people. We call them names where we put them down behind their backs, in front of them, that is not their affairs. That's not, that's not what God wants. Let me just give you an example from the greatest person, the greatest servant of God, Moshe Rabbeinu. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, he sees this amazing sight of the burning bush. He sees the burning bush. Can you imagine the burning bush? He hears God talking to him through the fire of the burning bush. And God says, Go back to Egypt and take my people out of Egypt. Let my people go the famous words, Shalach et Ami. Tell Paro, And the next words always skip down. me, Avduni. God says, Send my people, let my people go so they should serve me in the desert. That's what God says. Let my people go. You're, you're going to be my vehicle to go to Pharaoh and talk to him. Okay, so Hashem knows the words. What, is, what do you think Moshe Rabbin is going to do next? They say, oh, Hashem told me to go to Egypt. i got to go to Egypt. Forget about my family, forget about my wife, forget about my father in law. No. This is very interesting. What does Moshe Rabbeinu do first after he gets this command from God? He has a command directly from God. We don't have commands directly from God. We hear the commands through the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to God face to face. He spoke to God. He heard God. He got the command loud and clear. What does he do next? He says he goes back to his father-in-law Yitro. His father-in-law Jethro and says to him, let me now go back to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. He's asking permission from his father-in-law. God just spoke to him. What's the first thing he does? He goes back to his father-in-law and says, Dad, he says, can you let me go back to Egypt? Hashem wants me to go and see it. My, My brethren are still alive. And Yitro says to Moshe, go in peace. Rashi notes that when Moshe was commanded to return to Egypt to fill his destiny, to leave the people from bondage, he first approached his father, Lo Yitro, and asked his permission. Now this is wild. This is astonishing. The creator of all should command Moshe Rabbeinu to deliver B'nai Yisrael from their bondage. And before doing so, Moshe goes to ask permission from his father, law Yitro. What lesson can we learn from this incredible idea? It is if Moshe Rabbeinu held up his hand to God and says, Hold on, Hashem. Let me see if it's okay for me to follow your command. And if Yutra would have said no, what would we have done next? What would Moshe Rabbein have done? And no one knows. Will the children of Israel continue in language in slavery? Did Moshe not realize exactly what Hashem was him to do and why? And this is the answer. Listen to the answer. It's an amazing answer. It's a tremendous moral lesson for us. Of course, Moshe Rabbein understood Hashem's command. He understood the urgency of the command, but he also knew he could hardly fulfill God's command. If he failed at Hashem's desire for him to be a mench. Yeah, everyone knows what a mensch is. A mench is a human being with derech Harris. That's a mench. So how could he uh, go and, and observe God's command without even talking to his father-in-law, who gave him a wife, provided him with shelter, but he was running away from Egypt? The gratitude he owed his father-in-law. Hashem would not be happy, but had just walked away from his father and no one else said hello. The reason why God chose Moshe in the first place was because Moshe Rabbeinu was a bench. He had this attribute of their appearance. After all, Yitro had shown Moshe great mercy and kindness. As the Midrash has it, Moshe himself told God, Yitro accepted me. He opened his home to me. He treated me with honor. God owes his life to someone who opens his home to him. Therefore, I cannot go without his permission. I cannot go without Yitro's permission. imagine this is an amazing moral idea for us all? God is telling you go, but you have to go with their hands. You can't just walk away from your father-in-law. You can't just walk away from people who helped you so much. You have to ask for permission. Amazing concept. Amazing. That's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was such a great person. Why? Because he had this Building block. The building block of religiosity has to be derech eretz. This is something we have to teach our children at a very early age. Just like just like great bricks, our ancestors made in Egypt could not hold together without the mortar, cement. So too the six hundred and thirteen building blocks of Judaism. Our six hundred and thirteen commandments, which are building blocks of, of Judaism, cannot hold together a Jewish life without the mortar of Derek eretz. Um, Mitzvot defined the tasks, behaviors, and rituals that we are obligated to perform and avoid, but it's ethics, morals, human decency, which allows us to translate these mitzvot into a meaningful human life. Okay, so to be a mensch is not encoded in Jewish law. But without being a mensch, we cannot perform Jewish law. Derech Eretz kamar le Torah, the Midrash says. Derech Eretz comes before keeping the Torah Torah cannot be kept without Derech Eretz. And that's the topic tonight. What is their Eretz? We have a whole different gamut, a whole range of different ideas. So of course, Hashem wants us to heed his commands, but the same token, he doesn't want us to be arrogant. He doesn't want us to be rude. He doesn't want us to be abusive. The mitzvah are not a cudgel to use to beat other people. This is a very important idea. You know, I was listening to a conversation today in the Knesset of Israel. And, you know, the, the secular, the religious are really going at it. But the religious people have to be careful what they say. It's got to be, everything's got to be said with their Eretz. You cannot just go and release all your feelings and vent one's feelings in public against people. It doesn't matter who they are. A person has to always act with their Eretz. Always act with their Eretz. And that is a very important point, which is forgotten today. We're all... We want to be like the court in climbing, running up the Azaran, throwing people off the other side. but can remember where they are, who they are, what they are. What does God really want? God wants us to be steeped in the finest midot, the character traits, excelling first and foremost in derech eretz. At a practical manner, there's no easier, more compelling expression of derech eretz than thank you, a genuine, heartfelt thank you. you now, what's amazing is on the buses in Israel. You know, number one is, the first lesson you have on the bus is hang on tight. Because those buses, you know, there's a beautiful story. It's one of my favorite jokes. It says, you know, that uh, a rabbi, after 120 years, goes to heaven. And there's lines of people waiting to go into heaven. And then the angels are the gates. And then everyone's waiting in the line. And he says, you know, I'm a rabbi. I've been a rabbi all my life. Yeah, can I go in? He says, no, you wait your turn. Go back to the line. So all of a sudden he sees this angered bus driver. You know, those good old days when they had open shirts and short pants. Walking right to the front of the line. And the angel pushes him in and says, go in to in, and welcome to Ghaned. And the rabbi is furious. He says, what? He says, I'm a rabbi. I've been rabbi all my life. And here the, the bus driver goes and is led into ed, ed, heaven first. What are the values up here? It's terrible. He goes, angel complains. He says, what in the heck is your value system? How can you let the bus driver in before the rabbi? And the angel tells them and says, Rabbis, in all due with all due honor, how many people prayed because of you? How many people did you get to pray? And this bus drive, every time it took a turn, the whole bus was praying. So, so yeah, yes. Yeah, so we don't know the value of every human being. We don't know the value. The person was going to think the other person has got a better value than me, is on a much higher level than me. And Derek Harris, that's Derek Harris. So, yes, we have to thank. And it's nice to see. A lot of people do thank the bus driver. Before they get off the bus, they do say todah. They do say thank you to the bus driver. So it's important. Even though the is doing their job, you see a policeman doing his job, thank them. You see a, a, a mailman doing his job, thank them. You see the bus driver doing his job, thank them. Not because you have to thank them, but because it's their it's, it's kindness. It's gratitude to people who are doing their job, who make our lives special. It was the mother's job to put the food on the table, but say thank you because she's doing her job and you have to appreciate what she's doing. So it does not preclude a genuine thank you. Proper behavior, proper ethical behavior precedes the Torah. Torah. The Midrash says in Leviticus Rabbah, we mentioned in chapter nine, verse three. One of the most important interpretations of which that is before us, one can learn and put to practice the bits of the Torah. A person before they learn and practice the Torah have to practice. Meaningful, decent behavior. This is, In fact, this is the ABCs of Julius. This is the building block of our children. Before we do anything, first we teach our children, derech Eretz. And you can see how much Derek Eretz the person has by watching their children. If the Children act with kindness. If the children act with Derech Eretz, it means the parents act with Derech Eretz. So very, very critical to be, have Derech Eretz, and treat other people with Derech Eretz. These are behavior, good personality traits. See, Torah and Derech Eretz, you know, is a beautiful idea, Torah and Derech Eretz. We're going to talk about Pirkei Avot. Obviously, it's all about Derech Eretz. Pirkei Avot is all about Derech Eretz. So for 26 generations, the Midrash says, Derek Eretz came before the Torah was given. People before the Torah were given were practicing derek Eretz. Before the Torah There given. 26 generations from Adam all the way to Moses. 26 generations. 10 generations between Adam and Noah. And 10 generations between Noah and Abraham Avinu. And 6 generations between Abraham, Avinu, Abraham, and Moses. So 26 generations before the Torah were given. Now, people were behaving with derech heretz. We don't really think about it. At least our forefathers were definitely behaving with derech heretz. Noach was behaving with derech heretz. Derech heretz preceded the giving of the Torah by 26 generations, the Midrash says. So there's a background of moral development that comes before receiving the Torah. Before being religious, there's got to be a background of moral development. Unfortunately, I've seen many people are not religious, but they have manners, they have derech Eretz. And I've seen people who have, unfortunately, they, they're called religious, but there's no derech Eretz, you know. <laughs> I was once a waiter. I'll tell you this amazing story. I was, uh, I was a kid in the yeshiva, and I was in Israel, uh, and I hadn't had very few relatives here. So in the Pesach break, I had nowhere to go. I didn't want to ask any favors from any relatives, very distant relatives. I never had any close relatives in Israel that time. Thank God today I have a lot, for Hashem, but in those days, so I was alone, Yeshiva Bachar, alone, Pesach holiday, vacation, what do I need, what are, what are we going to do? So one of my friends said, you know, I'm going to be a waiter in the hotel, in Gale Sanz, in uh, between, you know, Pesach vacation, it's like a month in Israel for Yeshiva boys, and would you want to join me? So I said, sure, I have nothing else to do, sure, I can spend my uh, Pesach there, they'll give me a seder, I'll be able to do things and work and... Uh, and get some money as well. And so what happens? I was a waiter. So the first event was, there's was a Hasidish event. There's a Rebbe and his people. And I had, I had the most distant table from the kitchen. I had a service tray, heavy tray of food, the most distant uh, group of Hasidim on the other side of the hall, massive hall. And I'm taking the tray with the food and I'm walking through the hall and people are grabbing food off my tray. And this happens not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. Always got. I never got to the end of the of the hall without the food being on the tray. It was all gone. So uh, I'm, people are snatching food. I am like, Derek Harris, Derek Harris. They're look at me like, who are you? You're a waiter. What do you know about Derek Harris? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there are even some people climbing on the tables. I said, listen, tables in Mizrabel, the tables an altar. You should know better, guys. But they look at me like, who are you to tell us this? You're just a waiter. So it's like basic building blocks of Judaism. It's before a person, a person wants to be religious. Yeah, but don't build your religiosity on a lack of Dere heretz. heretz. is the building block for religion. That's something which we have to internalize, all of us, and teach our children before you even think you want to be in yeshiva all day. Yeah, but have Derek Heretz. Treat each other nicely. You know, treat, learn how to teach other people nicely before you can learn to learn. So this is not a cudgel. Religion is not a cudgel to use against other people. And the first thing we have to do is hakaratatov, gratitude to others. And uh, it's a beautiful rough not for finkel, the altar of slobodka. He he says, listen, Moses, the first thing he does when Hashem says go back to Egypt was he went to ask his father-in-law for permission. So the altar of Slobodka says. If he would not have wanted him to be the leader of the nation, Hashem, the first thing he chose Moshe for was because he had their hearts That's the reason why Hashem chose Moshe. He had their hearts. A leader does not know how to express a gratitude. Gratitude cannot possibly assume the mantle of leadership of Israel. The reason why God chose Moses was because he had their hearts. It's because Hashem knows that Moshe Avedu is going to, He's going to go and ask his father and go for permission. He's going to thank his father-in-law. So very, very important idea. 26 generations before the Torah is given. The Jews, there were no Jews around that time. The Torah was not given it yet. Our forefathers kept their herds. They knew these laws of their hearts. In fact, the book of Breshit is called Sefer Hayashah. You know, one of the biggest questions no one asks is, why does the Torah start with Breshits? In fact, who does ask that question is Rashi. Rashi says, the Torah is a law book. It should start with the first law. And what is the first law in the Torah? The first law in the Torah is to sanctify the new moon, Rosh Chodesh, to sanctify the new moon. So why does the Torah start with the creation of the world and Adam, Eve, and the the whole stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rizka, Rachel, Leah? Why does it start with the mitzvah? It's just a law book. Okay, that's Rashi's question. That's an amazing question. And the answer is, Hashem is teaching us first, before you get the Torah, You have to have the attributes of our forefathers. You have to work on your midon. You have to work on your character traits. You have to work on being a nice person. You have to work on being a genuine person. You have to work on having guests in your house. This is Derek Harris. Hashem wants us to have Derek Harris like our forefathers and mothers before we even get the Torah. So it's interesting. It's amazing. The book of Rosh is called Sefer Hayashah, the book of the straight people. Book of Honest People, that's Derek hurts. Book of People, Don't Tell Lies. Book of People will tell you the truth to your face in a nice way. they will hurt your feelings. So this may teach us the proper character traits, especially those related to relationships with people, take precedence over the religious mandates of the Torah. Another interpretation devotes its entire first book to stories of the forefathers and mothers to use as models of decent behavior. Our forefathers and mothers were models of decent behavior. And we have to absorb these lessons from them before we can go on to the rest of the Torah. The lives of our forefathers and mothers are examples after which people must pattern their lives in order to become suitable vessels for receiving and internalizing the Torah. It's an amazing idea. We have to learn the stories of Rishit and try and mirror them in our lives. Try and act them out in our lives. Think about Rifka bringing water to the Unknown people, strangers, running to bring water to the stranger and running to bring water to the camels and looking after other people with no thoughts to their own self, treating other people well. So some behaviors must be legislated in order for society to function. We need to have tax regulations, unfortunately. We need to have traffic rules. Yeah, we need bankruptcy laws and trial procedures. But there are things that do not need to be subjects of laws statutes or house rules chewing gum should not be disposed of on furniture on the floor that's their are it's common decency you don't throw chewing gum you don't stick chewing gum under your chair <laughs> you know I had uh, my father used to tell me that when the uh, a boy went walked into the house uh, to see a potential suitor for one of his sisters he said he had a habit of putting his hands under the chair and feeling the sides underneath Oh, God, he's running his hands under the sides of the chair. And so 1st person got to watch out when they put on the sides of the chair underneath the chewing gum, all garbage stuck underneath the chair, boy. boy. So anyway, so this is just basic there inheritance. You see how much chewing gum. You go on this. Uh, yesterday, I was sitting on the park bench. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Beware. i was sitting on a park bench first. Check the bench for a gift. You know, my wife is very good at that. She checks the bench before She sits down. And unfortunately, I don't have that same uh, ideas and Greg. Uh, you know, I rely on other people's decency, maybe I'm too naive. But, so you got to watch out. Okay, so it wasn't done on purpose, but it's a lack of Derek Herod's. Think of other people. Think of how they're going to behave. Think of how they're going to react. Think of dirty other people's clothes. Think about uh, It's very hard. It's a very hard. I had no to throw my garbage yesterday. I'm walking down the street. And I want to throw my garbage. Where are you going to throw it? What are you going to do? But a person be very careful. That's Derek Herod's. Have mercy on the street. Have mercy on the areas er is of Israel, dirty in the land. We should, we should be careful. that It's also their when We throw our garbage. So it's very important. These are all very. How would Abraham have thrown his garbage? How would garbage? have thrown his garbage? How would they treat other people? So that's the reason why this Torah starts off with their stories answering a telephone. A person should talk. It's very hot today. We're, we're really, we, our minds are all over the place. I want to read this on the internet. I want to read this on my phone. I want to read this on this. I'm busy and then the guy falls and I have no time, no patience in that person. So have patience with people. That's so hard today. That's Derek Harris. In a crowded parking lot, try and park within the lines. You know, there's no law that says you have to park within the lines. But if you park outside the lines, you're going to take away another person's parking spot. So it's important. These things are, these are small issues, but the Derek Harris, the basic issues. That's Derek Harris. Derek is a small things which are not legislated. They're not legislated in the Torah. So that's a very important concept. It's also very slippery. What is Derek heretz? You can explain Derek heretz any way you want. It's basically, it's often to describe ideas what we would not have expected to remain unspoken. It's a common decency. as when the rabbis inform us the Torah is teaching us Derek heretz but it he instructs us to greet others even before they greet us. That's Mishnah. That's a Mishnah Pirkei Avot. Classic Mishnah Pirkei Avot. Don't wait for others to greet you. you know, you're walking down the street and you see someone on the other side and you're looking for the corner of your eye. If he looks at me and waves at me, I'll wave it back. The, Torah, the the Mishnah said, greet him first. Be the first one to wave. <laughs> it's so hard to be the first one to greet other people. It's so hard to be the first one to wave. You know, uh, So it's important. as Derek occurrence. Greet other people first. Don't wait for them to greet us. But it instructs us when you enter someone's home, don't just walk in, burst in. Even your own home, it's very hard. Knock on the door. Even your own home, that's their Harris. Basic Dera Harris. So it's important. We don't do that. We've got to tell our children, we don't do that. We don't do these things. We do things in such and such a way. And that's how we teach our children. This is not what we do. This is not. This is other people do that. We don't do that. You know, when you're growing up, uh, your you know, they learn in school to say bad words. And my cousin told me, he says, we don't do that in our family. We don't use these words. This is gutter language. We don't use that. We're on a different level. and That's how we have to teach our children. We don't behave like that. Other people behave like that. We don't behave like that. We have to behave with their parents. So that is a very critical way of educating children. That's It's the ABCs of being religious is their parents. A person cannot be religious. Totally. Without the their parents, without this, how to treat other people. And one real where one needs to do this. We have to learn all about We're going to talk about different gamuts of Derech So Derech Eretz stands out in rabbinic literature for several reasons. Number one is, there's no explicit law in the Torah to have Derech Eretz. This is wild. There's no, nowhere does the Torah say, you guys have Derech Eretz. It's not the first principle of the Torah. It's not the second, it's not the third, it's not in the ten commandments. It's an underlying theme which is unmentioned. And that's the trouble. That is one of the troubles it's a preface to the Torah. That's what the, the Midrash tells us. It's Derech Eretz Kadmalet Torah. It's a preface to the Torah. We have to understand that. Derech Eretz the preface to the Torah. You can't keep Torah without Derech Eretz, the preface. So that's something very important we have to understand. And there's actually two tractates, which are added onto, appended onto the Talmud, called Derech Eretz Rabbah and Derech Eretz Zuta. Big Derech Eretz and small Derech Eretz. And these are tractates, small tractates, one bigger than the other. Big Derek Eretz and small Derek Eretz. But they're all about Derek Eretz. The rabbis felt necessary. Obviously, it's all about Derek Eretz. And, uh, and that is a very, very necessary ingredient. You see, the rabbis felt the need to write it down. Why? Because if they didn't write it down, people would say, ah, oh, there's no such thing as Derek Eretz. You could read the whole Torah and not learn Derek Eretz. Unfortunately, track so the rabbis felt, you know, before that, people knew that derecherts. You learn it from your parents. You learned it from your grandparents. You learned it from the forefathers. But eventually, it came to a stage, probably the second temple period, where people just forgot about derecherts. And the answer, rabbis had to write these mesecherts, mesechert they had to write these rules of derecherts. We are reflections of the divine image. We are created image of God. And some things should just be self-evident rabbis seem to be saying, but no need to trace them back to first principles. Another thing, which is anomaly with their Kheret, usually rabbis are very specific, very specific. Everything is mandated. Judaism is a religion which is very mandated. And here there's nothing mandated. The culture that values laws and does not shy away from enforcing them it is striking to hear practice described as simply how it ought to be without assigning a punishment for its violation. Calling something Derek Heretz is rabbinic culture's way of shrugging, in exasperation, resignation of saying someone about someone's discord, not being courteous, not being impertinent, slovenly or gluttonous behavior. Of course, they should know better. They should know better. What are we supposed to do? So the does not legislate. The Rambam does. The Rambam talks about the laws of character traits. He talks about how a person should eat, not be a glutton, how a person should dress, not be slovenous. A person should have manners and not be impertinent and be courteous all the time. It's, it's laws. Unfortunately, the rabbis had to legislate, they had to say things, otherwise, no one would just get it. You read the Torah, they could keep the Torah, and there's a concept in Judaism called the Naval Roshut HaTorah someone who is disgusting who keeps the whole Torah laws. <laughs> How can it be disgusting and keep the whole Torah laws? A person can fill themselves like a glutton, go to a kosher restaurant and eat. All they can eat, that is a kosher pig. That is the definition of a kosher pig. It's so hard not to be a kosher pig. So that's an avarmish that Torah person can do things which are allowed to an extreme and be a disgusting person. So it's possible to keep the Torah being disgusting. But unfortunately, that's what Derek Harris comes into play. Derek Harris is like was an unspoken rule, and eventually it became a spoken rule. So now one of the earliest things of Derek Harris is something that we have to talk about today, especially earliest sense of Derek Eretz is one's livelihood. Early livelihood is Derek Eretz. We have to realize that in the Mishnah's tractate of Perkei Avot of wise rulings and wise sayings, we read the Torah is good in Derek Eretz. Yafet Torah in Derek Eretz. It's good to learn Torah and also have Derek Eretz along with the worldly occupation. Mishnah said Perkei Avot, chapter 2. Mishnah 2 because engaging in both pursuits keep a person away from sin. A person's going to be busy. If you come home and you're tired, that's good. Why? Because you're going to be busy, you're going to be tired. No time for messing around and fooling around. So it's very important to be busy all the time with Derek Eretz, with occupation. You don't have occupation, learn Torah, but try and volunteer, try and do something as well inside. And that's Derek Eretz precedes the Torah. And the 19th century, Samson of al Hirsch. His whole theology was about the Torah, and Derech Eretz, based on this Mishnah and Pirkei Avon. The idea that one's learning should be engaged both traditional Judaism and the secular world, bringing Judaism into the secular world. So Derech Eretz literally means the way of the world, the way of the land, being a respectful person, being an ethical, responsible person, the way to live, that's Derech the way to speak, learning a living, intimacy, we're going to talk about Derech Eretz. Let's just look at some of the specific Terms used in the writings of the, of the rabbis. So, before God created Adam, the first man, this, this is what happens. The Torah says over here, what does the Torah say? Hashem says, Let us make man. You know, this, is a, this, this is a very loaded sentence. Let us make man. Now, say Adam, let us make man. So, obviously, this is an open, uh, a person comes along and says, Hey, you see? God is plural. Let us make man. Rashi asked that question. And Rashi answers, God was talking to the angels. And Rashi says, God is teaching us. Look at this. Rashi is saying, God is teaching us, Derek Eretz. A person should look around and ask other people for their ideas. Do you think it's a good idea if we do this? Do you think it's a good idea if we do that? All the best managers of companies, that's what they do. They, they brainstorm. They don't just come along and say, tomorrow we're going to do this. We're going to brainstorm. We're going to sit around the table and ask for advice. Rashi is telling us, God is asking the, the angels, let us make man. Is a good idea. To God is teaching us. Derek Aritz, what, is, what is Rashi telling us is God is humble. God is humble enough to consult the angels. If God is humble enough to consult angels, we can be humble enough. Take that cue. Be humble to consult other people. A man should consult his wife. A wife should consult her husband. Consult the children sometimes. It affects them. Whatever affects other people you are going to consult them. That's number one. That's a very amazing insight before Adam was created. Number two, the rabbis of the Talmud would glean the financial or domestic advice in the Torah. They would often say the Torah is teaching us their efforts. For example, look at this. Look at this idea. Yaakov Yaakov is going home. He's going home to Israel. He's going home to eretz to meet his brother Esau. After years of conflict, he was very frightened. He prepared his family and property for war. That's why he's so frightened. He scared them. He divides the people with him and his flocks into two camps. He says, if Esau comes and strikes down one camp, the remaining camp will escape. This is in Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. The Midrash learns a lesson from him. The Torah is teaching us derech eretz, that a person should not put all their money in one corner. Think about this. The Torah is teaching us to hedge your bets. The person doesn't know. You know the Gemara says amazing idea. It says, you know, now today the key word, if you go to a financial advisor, the key word is diversify. That's the key word, diversify. Well, Jews knew this thousands of years ago. It's, this is the Midrash on Yahuwah diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the government says explicitly a person should put a third in property, a third in business, and a third cash. That's what the government says. This is thousands of years old advice. So you're thinking, why are Jews so successful? Because we have this business advice it's in the Torah. It goes back thousands of years. Number three, work for a living. Working for a living is referred to as their parents. The Mishnah says, Rabbi Gamliel, the son of Rabbi Yunan, the prince would say, beautiful is the study of Torah with their hearts. The toil of both of them was sent to be forgotten. We mentioned this already. Chapter 2, verse 2 in Pirkei Intimacy. Think about it. Physical intimacy. Physical intimacy. Between a husband and wife is also called their hurts. How do we know? Because the Haggadah tells us. The Pesach Haggadah says, Hashem saw et amaleinu et obielu. So what is on Yenu, our affliction? What is the affliction? So Haggadah explains, this is the separation between the Israelite men and the women. One of the things Pharaoh does, he separates the men and the women. That is on Yenu, that is affliction. That is the opposite of Derek Eretz. The separation of Derek Eretz, he calls it. We're going to talk more about that. And then we have the common part, so what is Derek Eretz. We read in the Torah, again, Yaakov, he tells Esau, listen, Yaakov, Eretz was tremendously wealthy, he comes back, from uh, Haran, 20 years with his uh, father-in-law, Lavan, who tried to keep tricking him, comes back tremendously wealthy. Hashem blessed him with tremendous wealth. We can't imagine, you know, the, our forefathers were tremendously wealthy. But he left with nothing, he was penniless when he left. He went to his father it was a disgrace for him. He was so disgraced. His father-in-law was checking him all over. Where is his money? Where does this guy hide his money? Where is he hiding all his gold and jewels and valuables? And then he comes back. He's laden with all property. And he tells his brother, I have acquired an ox and a donkey. So, <laughs> he had an ox and a donkey. He had, I don't know, hundreds of them. Why does he just say, I have acquired an ox and a donkey? Rashi says, it is, yeah, this is the language of Rashi, according. It is Derek Eretz not to boast about one's wealth. Yeah. Derek Eretz is not to boast. The person is very wealthy. You know I've actually many wealthy people, some are just flaunting it all the time, some just very quiet, you would not even know about it. You wouldn't even know about it. They're very wealthy, they don't boast about their wealth. so Rashi says it is their curse to call many oxen ox singular why it's the underlying idea it is not to boast about one's wealth, so a very, very important idea, The says, get in number seven. Don't eat too quickly. Don't be a glutton. Eat slow. There it's says staring at someone. Don't stare at other people who are eating. Rambam says, this is an interesting Rambam, in the laws, chapters five, uh, seven. One should not talk too loudly. Rambam, not to talk too loudly. Can you imagine if, it's a very infuriating person on the, on the, in the, you know, Israel, you're on the bus and people are talking on the phone. Drives you crazy <laughs> so today you have these noise cancelling headphones barakashim i don't know i can't wear noise cancelling headphones you got to know where you are you got to know what's going around you it's a bit dangerous to wear noise cancelling headphones maybe on the plane you can do that but not in the bus anyway so so very important also number seven likewise a person with their care is careful to spend only according to what they can afford this is amazing you know, the rabbis talked about it, but it's not mentioned in the Torah. You have to live within your means. This is their Heretz. Simple idea. Simple idea of how to live is live within your means. Rambam brings it down. The laws of the Deod, the laws of character traits in chapter five, Halakha 10. He says, live within your means, don't take loans. How do you go into loans and debts? A credit card is like a it's like a keep on digging that hole. You can't get out of that hole. Credit card debts is the worst thing. So a person can live within their means, don't splurge, live within your means. Good advice from the rabbis, derech heretz from the rabbis. This is not in the Torah. This is not mentioned in the Torah, it's not one of the commandments, but that's why it's derech heretz. Derech heretz means things which are extra-legal ideas, extra-legal ideas to help a person smooth life out, to help a person live a smooth life. So the Talmud says derech heretz is a kamal Torah. It's a prerequisite to the Torah in order to fully absorb and understand Torah what must be grounded. Having the habits of Derek Harris are key to maintain good relationships and living a stable life as a Jew. Traditions of civility. It's important, again, not as descriptively synonymous with conventional conduct, but as prescriptive. We have to have civility. It's prescriptive. It's not just uh, It's not just something which is advised. It's, you have to do it. You have to have Common courtesy before you learn Torah, before you become religious or part of it. It's a package. It's a package. You can't be learned and religious without civility, without deraherence. And without Torah, there's no deraherence. Without deraherence, there's no Torah. That's what I mean. ben Azariah, we mentioned the Haggadah. I'm like a man of 70 years old. He's only 18. His hair turned white. And he says that good advice is without Torah, there's no deraherence. Without deraherence, there's no Torah. There's a link between the two. So very, very important. This idea of their herds. And uh, let's just uh, move up a little bit more. <clears throat> okay. I just want to go through again the different forms of their herds. But there's a tragic story. This is really the kicker. This, this story is a kicker that should wake us all up. This is a tragic story. And I can't believe what happened. This is a story of the Talmud. One of the great rabbis. I don't want to mention his name. It's, this is such a terrible story. I have to mention his name. The his name. And this is a story in the Talmud. I couldn't believe it. I read this story. How could this be a story? How could this happen? How could this have happened? But it's something which is very simple. And you see it happening today all around us. It's actually a story. Also in the Baikara Rabbi, in the Midrash, in the Vayikra, Rabbi Yana. Rabbi Yana was one of the famous rabbis in the Talmud. Rabbi Yana was once walking around the, above the road. He saw a person who was extremely well-dressed. Rabbi Yenai said to him, would you like to come over to my house? The person said, sure. Rabbi Yenai brought him into his house and gave him food and drink. As they were eating and drinking together, he examined him in knowledge of the Bible. He asked him questions and found out this guy knows nothing of the Torah. He examined his knowledge of the Mishnah and realized this person had no knowledge of the Mishnah. He asked them stories, traditional stories, so that no knowledge of stories. He asked them knowledge of the Talmud, nothing. And then Rabbi Yadai told him, go and wash and say grace after meals, Birkat Amazon." And the guest said, let Yanai say the grace in his own home. He couldn't even say the Baraka, Birkat Hamazon. And Yadai says, I can't even, this is hard to even say this. Rabbi Yadai said, I can't, this is terrible. This, is, this shows how bad things can get. I've got to tell you because I want this is to teach other people. Rabbi Yanai said, repeat the following. A dog has eaten Yanai's bread. Offended the man stood up. And grabbed Rabbi Yanai by the coat. He then said, my inheritance is with you. And you're holding it back from me. You're stealing my inheritance, Rabbi Yanai. And Rabbi Yanai said, what? What inheritance of yours is with me? The man replied. Once I was passing by a school. And heard the voice of little children. This is something we have to teach our children. The first line we teach our children when they we can speak. The Torah was given to us by Moses, an inheritance for the congregation of Jacob. He said, Rabbi Yani, the Torah is my inheritance as well. And by not teaching me, you are stealing my inheritance from me. You are stopping me. Rabbi Yannah said, Okay. Very fair enough. But how then are you worthy to eat at my table? The guest replied, This is what he says. Never have I heard an evil word spoken against me and returned to argue with the person who spoke it. You can say whatever you want about me. I never argued. Never have I seen two people arguing without making peace between them. Rabbi Eli said. <laughs> Rabbi I said to himself, This is the big danger. Oi, he said, Oi. I've called some of it so much their hearts a dog. This is the danger of today's society. Be very careful how we speak and address other people. And especially our politicians today, unfortunately, especially in the Knesset in Israel, have to learn how to speak to other people, not to call them dogs, not to call them names. But be good examples. That's the key. The key is to be a good example. You know, I just want to give you a Bal Shem Tov story. This is a Hasidic story. I don't know if it's true, not not true, but it's said by the Hasidim of the Bal Shem Tov. One day, the Bal Shem felt it was necessary to teach his students about the power of their tongue and the words that came out of their mouths. He did not cook their tongue to teach them about the power of the tongue. Instead, he told his students to go on a journey. They're going to go on his magic uh, chariot or his wagon. And the wagon drive goes wherever it goes and just go wherever it says. Okay, so they go on a trip. They don't know where they're going. At the end, the wagon stops outside and in to eat and rest. The bar of students were pious Jews who believed that following all the laws of Judaism, they insisted on the highest standards of kosher, kosher laws. And they checked all the meat. They checked all the dishes. They checked this. They checked that before they would eat. And there was, a, there was an older person over there. And the older person was sitting behind the stove. And they couldn't see him. And after an old checking and everything, the, the guy came out from behind the stove. The old man came out. And he said, Dear Jews, are you as careful what comes out of your mouth as you are what enters your mouth? This is a very important critical rule. Be as careful what goes into your mouth. Okay, number one is we have to be careful what goes into our mouth. We are what we eat. But number two is, be as careful or no more, not even more careful what comes out of one's mouth. Not to offend other people, not to speak Lashonara as Derek Eretz, common courtesy, common. It's amazing, amazing concept, Derek Eretz, Kadmalet Torah. The rabbis learned this, Derek Eretz, he said. We learn things out from the animals, even animals have Derek Eretz. What do you mean? How could it be? How could the animals have Derek Eretz? We learn cleanliness from a cat. We learn faithfulness from a dog. We learn honesty from an ant. Can you imagine ants? You see one ant carrying things many times its own size on its back, and ants don't steal from each other. Can you imagine? Ants don't steal from each other. We learn honesty from the ant. It's so amazing, amazing ideas, amazing ideas. There are We learn their are in intimacy from the rooster. How? It says the rooster first persuades the hen, before it has intimacy with the hen. It talks to the hen in a nice way apparently, I don't know, (laughs) the rabbis could say such a thing. The rooster engages in intimacy in a very nice way, persuades and and coaxes. Okay, so very, very, very interesting. And uh, we have to remember thank you, remember saying thank you to people that stare at parents. And I want to finish off with this, this beautiful Talmud over here. Beautiful Talmud. The Talmud says, One of the rabbis, he said, how great. I thank God for this world. Thank God for this world. Thank God for everyone who does things for me. How much effort Adam Harishon, the first man, Adam, exerted before he found bread to eat. He plowed, he sowed, he reaped. He made sheaves, he threshed, he widowed to the wind. He separated the grain from the chaff, ground the grain to flour, sifted, kneaded, and baked. (coughs) And only thereafter he ate. And I, on the other hand, wake up and find all these things done for me. Human society employs a division of labor. Each individual benefits from the service of the entire world. How much effort did Hadam the first man, exert before he found a garment to wear? He shared, he lauded, combed, spun, and wove, and only then he found a garment to wear. And I, on the other hand, wake up and find all these things prepared for me. Can you imagine? We have to appreciate. You buy something in the store, you have to appreciate the bread we buy and how much work was done for it. We don't really appreciate. Appreciate the milk was done, how much work was done with the milk to get it to our table, Baruch Hashem. We're we're living really with, we have to be thankful every day. Every day I tell my wife, I try to, we're blessed. We are blessed. We are really blessed, thank God. We are blessed. We have everything we need, Baruch Hashem. You know, something we have to appreciate and appreciate God and say thank you to God. And that's why God chose Moshe Abe to be a leader because he had simple, Derek are to go in say goodbye, and ask permission from his father-in-law. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.